Welcome to the Metaverse Roundtable. If you're like me, you're looking to learn about the Metaverse as it relates to commerce, retail, and brands. Today, we welcome heavy hitters from some of the major companies in the Metaverse ecosystem. We welcome Beyond XR, Mark Loeb, Liquid Avatar Technologies, David Lukech, Virtual Brand Group, Justin Hochberg, and Sam Engelbart from Galaxy. I've read that the metaverse is defined as a digital reality that combines aspects of social media, online gaming, virtual reality, and cryptocurrencies to allow users to interact virtually. Do we agree with this? Let's go. Sam, yes or no? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, largely, I, I think if what we're talking about is the idea of, of an increasingly convergent digital and physical um, existence, then yeah, I think generally speaking, when people talk about the metaverse, they're talking about something like that. I, I think the reality is people have, have different perspectives and, and I think some people are imagining something as extreme as what they see in literature like, you know, Ready, Ready Player One or, or, or The Matrix and other people are imagining something that looks not much different from, you know, an immersive video game that they're playing today. And so somewhere in there lies the, the, you know, the truth about what they have in mind or what we're talking about. And it, but it definitely has all the aspects of, of what you just mentioned, I think, in, in my okay. It goes on to say augmented reality overlays visual elements, sound and other sensory input onto real world settings to enhance the user experience. Justin, where are you at with this? Are you, are you just like blowing up inside? No, not at all. Listen, here's what I would say is first of all, augmented reality is fantastic. It's very accessible. It's off your iPhone. It doesn't require a lot of hardware. It can be programmed anywhere. It's probably the most likely use case in terms of deep uh, reality versus like, you know, headsets, like an Oculus thing. But to your point earlier about what is the metaverse, I think Sam was right in terms of technically speaking, no one cares about this technology. It's just, can I play a game? Can I buy a thing? Can I dress up? Like the consumer facing stuff is what the what metaverse is to me. The metaverse, you know, it's not well-defined and everyone has a different version and definition of what the metaverse is as it is today. And what we're seeing the metaverse as it is today is not what it's going to be in six months from now, in a year from now, in 12 months, and in uh, two years from now. So AR, VR, mixed reality, extended reality, these are all aspects of the metaverse. The most common way people are defining the metaverse right now is a virtual world. It's a place beyond reality. All of the things we're discussing, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, extended reality, work in that place. But this is a virtual reality that exists within the real world. So it's a virtual reality existing within a physical world, and it's created by real people. So what we know of it as today is not what we will know of it even tomorrow, but it is not just a rebranding of XR, VR, AR. Okay. David, where do you stand? Wow, I, I agree with what every everything that everybody said so far, but I'm going to add a fly in the ointment. I'm going to say that the metaverse is the ability to also create new forms of engagement, and and when we add verified users, and you know we focus primarily on digital identity. When you start adding verified users and and only and I quote only accept good actors, there is going to be a dynamic shift in in all types of activities. So I think it's VR, AR, and, and integration to the consumer with verifiable credentials. Can I, can I jump on David's point and extend that? Because I think he is onto something that people, I deal with 
at least 10 to 20 brands and you know across every sector a week in terms of like trying to figure out how to help them or work with them that's what we do at the virtual brand group and here's where i think people miss and david's on the right track is they are thinking about this as a segmented lane e-com physical store you know what social media etc the thing about the metaverse is it's all of those things combined and so the real trick here or the real goal is to not is to treat things that you purchase whether it's on the blockchain or in roblox or at the e-com store and connect those things through the blockchain or other mechanisms that make it easy to verify ownership create smart contracts that give you ways to incentivize your consumers and reward them and basically tie all these things together. So in some level, it's like a cookie, which has now been banned, but instead of it just being something that tracks data, it's something that allows you to give rules that cause reactions that tie it all together in one system. Not necessarily a rebuttal, but uh, just a, a comment on what Justin just said. I we like the rebuttal at... idea better though. Dave. I know, I, I'm already figuring that one out. I really am. And, we're, and we, we just started knowing each other, but I, but I agree with what you're saying and add to that, that I don't, I don't necessarily think the intermediary is the blockchain. I think the intermediary is an avatar digital twin. So I think the connection point between the metaverse and, and, and a verifiable user, a verified user is that digital twin. I think you create actions and events going forward to the metaverse and you create messaging and confirmations coming back. And, and I'll, I'll throw in, I'll throw in a term like, you know, did and did come. And when you start adding that into play, you've got a whole new reality where, you know, someone buys, walks into a restaurant, buys a virtual hamburger and DoorDash delivers that hamburger to the real world for the, in the real world in the next 15 minutes. So I think there's lots of opportunity for play here. If you can connect the verifiable identity or the user without, without giving away PII, so no personal identifiable information, but a verified user to a digital twin to the metaverse and then back through the same chain. If web 3.0, if you explain to them that the three stands for 3D, you might simplify things. Is that too simple? I think it's a little too simple to be honest, Christine, because it's it's more than just the 3D aspect of it. Like David said, and Justin chimed in on it, like there's a social aspect of this as well. So it's combining all of these things that we're talking about into this new, you know, community owned virtual world. That's what web 3.0 is. So it's not just saying it's 3D because that's only a small part of what web 3.0 will be eventually. To me, the, the, the like web 3.0 and the evolution of the, of sort of web one to two to three, like I, I find it more helpful to, to think along the terms of that, that kind of read, write, own you know, transition and the idea web, web one being largely a broadcast, you know, of publishing medium for content that uh, to be put out to people web, web two, meaning that the, the, the users on the other end of it start to contribute to the creation of the content, although the, the sort of platforms ultimately monetize it for themselves and own the majority of it. And the, and the, the evolution now to web 3.0, meaning that those people on the, you know, out on the margins that are creating the content also get to own and benefit from the creation of that content. That, that to me has been the transition. It's the way that we are creating, accessing and being incentivized to make and monetize our content that is what defines Web 3.0.
Sam, I, I love how you described your breakdown of web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and I make it even easier when I'm talking to people because this is a uh, terminology that people don't always understand. So I'm like web 1.0 connected us online. Web 2.0 connected us online to communities and web 3.0 is going to connect us online into community owned virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. That's the, the big significant difference between I show between one to three. Mm -hmm. And it breaks down super easy. I love Sam's explanation. I love that Mark said his was even easier. I want to say, because I feel left out, I just want to say, here's the easier thing to be. You don't need to understand any evolution of any web and any version because most consumers are not going to care what version of the product they're using. They don't know what product of their iPhone software is using. It is simply set of experiences that are much more robust. And it doesn't matter to them how they got here or what version it is, whether it's three or four or 3.1. Yeah, Justin, you're right. You know, a lot of the Generation Z, they don't even know what Web 1.0 was. They never saw it. It never existed in their world. Talking to. So if you're selling to executives at a retailer, you absolutely have to walk them through one, two, and three. Exactly. In my opinion. And I'm sure right, you but, but I, think, I, I think today, I mean, you know, sort of, if you give a two-year-old today a magazine, they're going to swipe the front cover. Right, they're not going to be. My kids you know, will swipe the tell. They go up to the television and swipe it. Try and swipe it, right? So I think I think the the, the challenge is is you know, Gen Z doesn't want to read a newspaper. They don't even know what the yellow pages were. So I think you know we know that people are resistant to change, but ultimately what we're doing in Web 3.0 is we're creating decentralization based on centralized anchors. So we're taking things and and removing the barriers this is the real i think great thing about web 3.0 is is that we are effectively removing so many barriers that existed in web 1.0 and 2.0 and and creating a, a virtual and eventually reality sense of freedom i'm not done making my case for 3d i didn't even get a chance <laughs> that's right christine is your okay come on convince us christine selling 3d movies in a 5d world Back to it being immersive. I, I, I really think that when we think about things, first of all, I'm gonna I, I use this theory all the time. It's called blue theory, right? I, if I if I challenged everyone to pick a color blue, I mean Justin is wearing several different colors of blue, but it would be if I at least three. That's good. And we saw your shorts earlier, so we're not sure how blue those are. <laughs> but it'd be four. Okay. So but that's the point of blue theory. If I say the word blue, we're all gonna think of something different. Right, we say the word metaverse, we all think of something different because there is really no firm definition yet. But I think of Web 3.0 as immersive, not just in visual or engaging, but again, I go back to sort of the, the identity, the, the interactions, they're all seem to be immersive. And, yeah. and so when I think, that's why I look at it. David, you know, I, I like the way you frame things a lot. The only thing I would push back on is the word immersive tends to evoke an idea of feeling like 3D or, or you know, being sucked into a world. And so the, that, that word alone has generally, as a definition throughout history, been used in that way. Whereas things like the ability to track an identity is definitely immersive in the fact that it like connects things in a deeper way, but it does belie the fact that like buying, like, you know, we work with Forever 21 and the authentic brand group, the ability to buy an e-com item that connects to your avatar item has nothing to do with visual depth or, you know, necessarily like immersion. 
except for as a sort of connected experience. And so if we're really well, trying to yeah, stay exactly, away I, I, from the danger that Christine is spreading like wildfire, this notion of three dimensionality, <laughs> which is like going to ruin all of the metaverse at once, then I think we need to stay away from words that sort of trigger other people to think of it as a visual immersion, as opposed to other I, areas. I think, I think it's, a, I think it's, I think it's a, a 360 degree immersion. They always had you become immersive in the storyline, immersive in the experience. And it didn't mean just visually, it meant that, that you were thinking about it in a 3D realm, even though you we were playing in 2D. Well, so now you're supporting Christine as 3D. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm uh, supporting. I'm not the you're saying it. I mean, I'm just listening. But I look. I I, I believe it. I believe 3D and immersion are definitely part of what the metaverse right. is becoming. But I don't think we can define Web 3.0 to include 3D. I think it's a numerical system from one to two to three. Got it. Okay. It was just a little play on words to help you navigate the boardroom. Clearly, it didn't work. <laughs> you have to speak their language. Hey. Think of it this way. And if that's not the way, then we don't do it that way. And I don't, maybe we don't even include this because the purpose of this is to provide clarity. You have to provide clarity to the boardroom. So we can argue that that's not the way. And there's, there's a benefit for people to understand, but also it's so in the weeds. And that's the danger here. When you're talking to enterprise level businesses that are not run by Gen Z and you come in and you're so in the weeds, do you find that there's a disconnect? Let's just go around. There, yes. There's a, there's a huge disconnect. I cannot tell you. you. So let me help you. Let when me tell you. Kid, you dug your own grave. It's not. It's that bad. Who no, cares? Three D. Yeah, it's immersive, and you move Christine, on. That's I can't. I can't tell you how many companies we speak to that like we want an avatar. Great. You, we'll give you an avatar. We want the client to be able to keep their avatar. And great. What are you doing with the avatar? Are you putting it in your exactly. pocket and taking it home with you? You're you need a platform. And they don't get that. They're not thinking the next step of how this really works. They're thinking very surface level of the buzzwords that they hear, avatar, NFT, 3D, VR, AR, without the connection of how it's going to work for them. You see it every day. Yeah. Can I ask though, can I just ask for a clarification here, Christine? When you say you're making your case for 3.0 or for 3D, do you want to make a case that that 3D is coming in some meaningful way and will be an important uh, part of our content experience? Because I think that's one case. The other is that somehow sort of immersive 3D or VR is necessary for this idea of web 3.0. That, that, that's the thing I'm pushing back against. To Christine's point of how do you make C-suite executives that don't do this stuff at all understand it? And I would say this, because I work a lot with, let's just take retail brands and people that sell stuff, right? Whether it's cars or sports things. So I say to them, look, here's the problem with your real life world. Nobody wants to spend any time with you. The goal of the consumer is to minimize the amount of time they spend in your store. Get in, get out. Now, there's some mild exceptions to that. People love to hang around Chanel. People sit at Starbucks for free Wi-Fi. But generally speaking, the rise of Amazon is exactly to minimize what it takes to get in there. I said, so then I say, look, what is the best retail store in the physical world today? And they fumble around until I say, Clue, the happiest place in the world. And they go, Disney World? I said, yes. So mm -hmm. Disney World is a great analogy for what the metaverse is to start yeah. with. 
It is a giant experience that you walk into. Now, most people go there and they don't just spend an hour. They spend days or weeks and they go back every, as often as humanly possible. And everything is geared towards an immersive experience and everything is connected. They track all- Oh my God, he used the word immersive. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm doing that for you, David, because you love it so much. So I'm just giving you what you want. But they say, I said, look, imagine if you had a place where people wanted to spend more time, where they brought friends, where you could monetize it in creative ways, but people could socialize and all the experiences were connected so that they knew you were doing X, Y, and Z. And now unleash that from the physical world and think about it as time and money and the laws of gravity are not in place. And Justin, go, I'm, so, I'm so glad that you read, you know, the perspective of Beyond XR because that's exactly what we do. We're did creating. You just, did you we, just steal no, my we, analogy? We are creating. We are creating 3D immersive environments for consumers to shop in that they're spending on average globally four and a half minutes exploring the environment. So there, these are customers that are not wanting to get in and out of the store. They're learning about the brand. They're learning about their sustainability. They're watching videos. They're playing games. They're winning prizes. They're getting discounts and they're shopping. So, you know, we hear it every day from our consumers that they fight for one second on the PDP page. How can we get them to spend 13 seconds instead of 12 seconds? Because the longer they spend on that PDP page, the more chance it goes into the card. We're creating these experiences for, for the clients that consumers are wanting to spend time with it. They're wanting to learn more about it. So it's the the opposite of what, you know, physically going to a store and spending time of it versus going online and going into an immersive store and spending time with it. I want to comment on this really importantly. Up to a, a few years ago, we saw companies like, and I'm going to just use these names and, and it's not to, to, to diminish their value. Companies like Facebook and, and Google really not give a, a, a tinker's damn about, you know, consumer privacy and everything else. And then all of a sudden with the, with CCPA and everything coming down, Facebook and Google and, and Apple and everyone were putting out commercials talking about how we protect your privacy. What we're not focusing on is that, that what web 3.0 will mean to the change in the way the consumer acts online, because that is going to be monumental. There are massive changes coming with web 3.0 with the way that brands will have to interact with consumers and treat them differently than they ever have before, right? So at the end of the day, I think what, what's gonna face many retailers, many brands, many opportunities is gonna be the way that they have to rethink their engagement strategy with the consumer. It's gonna be the way that, that brands deal with consumers, brands engage with consumers, especially with some of the recent proposed updates to the California Consumer Protection Act. What I'm trying to find is the catalyst for the metaverse. Just give me one second. Throwing spaghetti against the wall. Start with, well, maybe it's just a reinvention of AR, VR. No. Well, maybe it's just 3D immersion having nothing to do with AR, VR. It's, it's a 3D version of, of digital 2.0. And that's what it is. Maybe it's a migration from gaming. Maybe. And maybe it's because what we've already created just sucks and we want to start all over again. And that relates to privacy and everything else that we need to do over. Does any of that stick? Eh, 
as Larry David would say, eh, not so much. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's get this under control. If we have, if we're thinking of a catalyst, and you can say there is no catalyst, which would be very existential. But why don't you say the one thing that you think is the catalyst, as you would explain it in the boardroom, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for context, and they're looking for. Uh, relatability to what they already know. Games in a lot of ways, I think, have been the, the tip of the spear for a lot of this immersive digital behavior that we're learning and our trends towards doing more and more online. It's not just the game engines, that, but that is an enormous part of the interactivity that people are, are engaged with. It's also all of, it's, it's like monetization and, and revenue models from games, right? Like games really pioneered the idea of this free-to-play in-app purchase driven. I think we're Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft became really a catalyst for this was it was about making friends and not just finishing the game. And so social gamification, I think that has been the biggest catalyst of the last two years. And do you think gaming is given enough credit for its contribution? I mean, a lot of it is built on gaming technology like Roblox, NVIDIA and Unity software. I, I think- or, or Fortnite. I think Fortnite has been a massive catalyst. So I, I think that anything that is running on an engine right now that could be considered a game is really what it is all about. Yeah. So are we in yeah. agreement? I, I think the early stats that came out when COVID hit was that gaming was up about 78% online. So I think that's that's a very good point. The American, the average American has spent upwards of 10,000 hours playing video games, which is triple the amount of books. So yeah. clearly, and we have a million stats that tell us about gaming. So gaming- no if but, but hold on. Gaming the catalyst. And gaming is bigger than than film, TV, and music combined at this point. It's 180 billion dollar industry going to 200 billion dollars. Christine, can I just add a layer to your gaming thing? Is I think one of the things that was important in the gaming evolution was that it was social gaming. So I grew up playing Donkey Kong and Atari, and that was not social. And yes, PlayStation originally had great graphics, but that was not social. And then they started the ability to play. But, but when you talk about gaming from that perspective, there's been, I mean, MMORPGs, I think, you, then you got to draw back. Our MMORPGs, uh, massively, multi-massive player online role-playing games, were they the catalyst? Because they had guilds, they had friends, they had everything over the last 25 years. So you're, so talking, about you're talking about World of Warcraft, you're talking about EverQuest, Lord of the Rings Online, you know, everything right. that was an online massive. Um, Dave, here's where, here's where I think you're right. And I think the other part of it is what made these other platforms different was that those original M multiplayer games were just a set world by the publisher. The idea yeah. of Roblox, which we spend a lot of time working on and our average consumer in our game, because they're building in our game, they spend over an hour a day in the Forever 21 experience and they're building it. And so that is, I think, the big leap between getting lots of people together and creating an ecosystem where you can trade stuff and empowering people to build their own worlds, which clearly locks them in a lot more than having to play somebody else's game. And so I can't get my 14 year old to pick up his shoes, but he works at a pizza joint on Roblox. But if his shoes were on Roblox, would he pick them up? He would yes. sell them. He would sell them for a profit. <laughs> COVID-19 was a huge catalyst mm -hmm. in this.
you know, we saw from our business point of view that as stores started to close, brands were looking for new ways to connect with their consumers. And our business grew because the, the world is changing the way people are shopping. COVID-19 just proved the point. It was the catalyst to accelerate every company's online business, the way they're doing business online, the way makeup companies are now changing the way they do handing out samples. The generations younger than us and even many people at our age are spending, I mean, if you count second and third screens, we're spending more than 100% of our time immersed in our digital lives. Like we are, we are with a screen, if not two or three, pretty much all of the time that we're awake. We're spending the majority of our money digitally at this point. We are, most of our friendships are happening online. We're conversing with, 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 with friends. We're building our status. We're building our identity. We, we are entertaining ourselves. We're increasingly educating ourselves. Christine, when's the next time you're going to walk into a Macy's or a Bloomingdale's and say, let me try that makeup on? I mean, aren't you're you, never going to do it again. Take a, can I take a stab at this a bit for a sec, Christine? Because oh, wait, Mark, aren't you just saying that it's an amplification of AR? Then, guys, am I crazy? Am I not? I, I think I think it's more of an it's an evolution. Crazy. I think it's I'm it's like a metaverse here. I'm saying something. I think it's it's an it's an evolution. Guys, the the pandemic. I think I agree with Mark. The pandemic definitely accelerated. Maybe some brands and other people's awareness that this was happening. But I feel like if you've been, if you've been looking at content or marketing or e-commerce or any of these things, like it's been, it's been a lot longer than just the pandemic and the trends have been obvious. And I mean, we are in the midst of a migration from, from predominantly physical to predominantly digital lives. That's just that, that's what's going on. Even if you just think about gaming or you think about time and social platforms and revenue in those businesses, it's pulled it forward a couple of years, but it's not like things that you know like new things are are apparent that weren't already well in in progress prior to the pandemic so yeah, I mean, by the time the physical moved to the digital most of the younger generation has moved from digital to virtual now i would say if you're sitting in the boardroom everybody gets user generated content and then they start to go when you hear the creator economy because they understand it but not really because a lot of it is losing control it's like wait I don't want to give up that control. Yeah, there's a, moder there's a moderation issue there. Like, you know, I agree. Like, user created well, Intellectual property, right? Not just moderation. But the biggest issue is, what do I do with my intellectual property? If I give if I give ability for someone to do something creator, you know, are they offside because they use the wrong brand colors? They use the wrong, you know, fonts, whatever the case may be. What, are they use the wrong, you know, basically blueprints? So I think IP with the creator economy scares a lot of brands. When someone hears, well, you can create multiple avatars, all of a sudden there's this complete lack of trust. And I know that it's to the opposite, but there's a big burden of education there. Do you agree? I, I don't know. I don't agree at all because, because, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you why, you know, from our perspective, what is, is the underlying user, the underlying user verified. And, and it could be something as simple as a blue check mark, right? near my name. It could be anything, but does that prove that I am a real individual? I may have different avatars and different avatar requirements. I may be a voxel, you know, or pixel based avatar in one. I may be, you know, low poly or high poly in another. I really think avatars are the intermediary. They're the digital twin. I may want to be a sports figure in one and I may want to be a thick figure in another. So I think it's really about the education.
one more time. When you sit in a boardroom and you explain the multiple skins and the multiple types of mm -hmm. avatars, they're like, yay, totally awesome. Or they're like, explain, please. We Where we start is, is they only want one thing in the boardroom. They want more interaction with the consumer. They want to be able to take a digital transaction or a digital conversion and affect a physical or an offline conversion. And we treat the avatar as the intermediary. Christine, can I answer that question in terms of what we're seeing in the boardroom, which is that this is by far the fastest path that I have ever seen to yes at a C-suite level with the following simple three questions. As they come and they say, metaverse, don't know, help, whatever. I just ask them this, do you have kids? And most C-suite level executives have some kids between the age of eight and 18. Do they play online games like Fortnite or Roblox? At that point, nine out of 10 people say, oh my God, if my kid bothers me for more money to buy more skins, I'm going to go out of my mind. I, right. I, right? At that moment, I say, bingo, I've got you. Because I'm no longer talking about what you said, a set of interconnected technologies. I'm no longer talking about three-dimensional, two-dimensional, interconnected. I am talking about a visceral experience that this CEO is having with their child. Their kid plays Roblox or Fortnite or Minecraft. They're spending money. They know there's an ecosystem. They know that it makes their kids happy. And all of a sudden I said, great, let's create an experience in that way for, for your company. And you know what they say is, if I told my kid that we were doing that, despite the fact that I run a sports league or a fancy car company or these super cool brands, it's the first time my kid would ever say, mom, dad, wait a second, you're doing something on Fortnite? What is it that you do? Because it sounds kind of cool. That is the easiest way to get a yeah. non-technical person is to yeah. make it a visceral buy. And that closes in less than 30 days a deal for me. All right, that's fair. But if I'm writing for the Wall Street Journal, I can't be like, well, your kids know it, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, you can. Because yeah, you can. Because that's how what many, they want. If you, why explain it to them? Why not let their kids be their salespeople? today? Like, I, I, I agree with Justin. You know, why do parents wear their hats backwards or sideways? Why do, why do parents go out and buy very expensive kicks? It's because their kids are wearing them. We're wearing right. things and doing things our kids are doing. Take that lead. And, I, and I, much to Justin's um, uh, comments, I usually say when I meet, when I, the other way I look at it is every CEO, every CMO is a consumer. Everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. If they can see the emotional connection between people in their lives and what they do with what they can accomplish, I agree with Justin. Our time is up. I hope that I provided to people watching some clarity and people in the boardrooms. It was fun. I'm going to thank you guys. I, I, really want to stress people at enterprise level trying to understand what this is. The bottom line is they're looking for information. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks everyone. So much. Be well. Take Thank care. You. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you.